Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We really think it's important what the Bible actually says. It decides what's the truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And he says in John 8, 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Only the truth will make us free from sin, and God's word defines for us what truth is. It doesn't have anything to do with our, uh, quote, testimony, or our feelings, or what we think, or our visions, or anything like The truth is determined by God's word. It decides every religious issue. I think we all understand that, but we have to put it to practice and really make that true by submitting to what the Bible says, no matter what we like, what we think, no matter what's politically correct, no matter what will bring in the most people to the church. Uh, we have to follow God's truth and never compromise it. And the fact that it is truth and only the truth will set us free from sin, in John 8, 31, that we have to continue in Jesus' word in order to be a disciple indeed, then would show that it matters what we believe, what we teach, and how we live. A passage that helps us to see that it matters what we teach is Galatians 1, 6-9. That reads, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, then that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Paul's saying here that if somebody preaches a different gospel than what he preached, the New Testament gospel, they're going to be accursed. The NIV says eternally condemned. So this passage obviously teaches it matters what we teach, because if we teach the wrong thing, we'll be eternally condemned. We'll be accursed spiritually. Two plus two cannot equal four and five. Both answers can't be right in religion. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. That number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. The number, the lines are wide open. 877-655-6755. In James chapter 2, verse 10, we read this. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. This is really a truism stated by James. It's a truism about any law. I mean, in Alabama, it only takes one crime to be a criminal. That's true about any state. And, and what he's doing is he's saying this is true about the New Testament law. In verses 1 through 9, you had some people, some Christians in the assembly showing favoritism based upon how someone is dressed rich or poor. So they were favoring the rich people over the poor people. And the idea of James 2.10 is it doesn't matter even if you're doing everything else right. If you're showing prejudice against poor people, then you're guilty of the law. You're guilty of the whole thing. You're going to be lost. James makes it clear this same truism was true about the Old Testament law in verse 11. Uh, basically. Uh, you think about this then. Does this verse teach that it matters how we live, or that it doesn't matter how we live. It certainly teaches that it matters how we live. Because if we offend in one point, we're guilty of the whole thing. Um, we can't have this kind of idea that, suppose, for example, since I'm not committing any murders or any rapes, or 
or uh, stealing anything that since I'm doing almost everything right, God probably doesn't have a problem if I commit adultery against my wife. That kind of reasoning, that kind of thought process is refuted by this verse. It matters how we live. Yet, I think all of us know people who go to church a lot, maybe even every Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, their life says that they don't think that it really matters to God how we live. But this verse teaches that it matters how we live. We got to back up what what we preach, practice what we preach. If we say we're a Christian, we better be a Christian. Jesus says, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? It's inconsistent to call him Lord and not obey his word. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment, 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Next, let's turn back to the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, I'm turning to chapter 10, if you'd like to follow along. And I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer, and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. So here we have two priests, Nadab and Abihu, they were worshiping God, but they weren't worshiping God the way he specified. Perhaps they took the fire from the wrong source, or perhaps they were burning the wrong kind of incense. Uh, We may not know exactly what they were doing wrong, but they were burning unauthorized fire. Worshiping God, but not the way God specified. Was God pleased or displeased? He was displeased. Now, we've been over a number of times on this program that we're not under the Old Testament law anymore. So we're not going to learn from this passage how to worship God. But here's something we can learn from it, even though it's in the Old Testament. However God tells us to worship Him, we better worship Him the way He specified. Here we have Nadab and Abihu were worshiping God, but not the way God said. God was very displeased. So when it comes to New Testament times, we better worship the way the New Testament tells us to worship, or God is going to be very displeased. Many people don't don't think it really matters how you worship God. Well, as long as we're worshiping God, we're free to choose to do whatever we want to in worship. How we what we think would be the most enjoyable or bring in the most people. That's how we're going to worship God. No, we got to worship God the way He's told us to. And this example in the Old Testament helps us to realize that. This passage, Leviticus ten one and two, helps us to see that it matters how we worship God. It really matters. We better do it the way God has specified in the New Testament law or God is going to be very displeased. 877-655-6755 is the number to call if you have a Bible question or comment. 877-655-6755. Next, let's go to 2 John, verses 9 through 11. 2 John, verses 9 through 11. We'll start by reading verse 9 there. It says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ hath both the Father and the Son. So obviously here, the Bible is making it very important that we abide in the doctrine or the teaching of Christ. It says, if you don't abide in the teaching of Christ, you don't have God. You can't be saved if you don't have God. The only way we can be saved is through the grace and mercy of God. So, 
to be saved, we have to abide in the teaching of Christ. Well, let me ask you this question. We briefly last week talked about how that Romans 6 verse 4 says we're buried with him in baptism, buried with Christ in baptism. When somebody dies, we bury them in the graveyard. We don't sprinkle a little dirt on their head. We put them all the way up under the ground. We know what buried means. So if we're buried in baptism, that would mean baptism should be an immersion, a burial. What about folks who practice sprinkling for baptism? Churches, preachers, whatever. Is that a commandment of men or a commandment of God? Sprinkling for baptism. Well, it's not in the Bible, so it's not a commandment of God. It must be a commandment of men. And what did Matthew 15 verse 9 say about those who teach the commandments of men? Jesus says there, but in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So sprinkling for baptism is a commandment of men. If it's a commandment of men, those who believe and teach and practice such, their worship is in vain, useless or worthless, and you can't go to heaven that way. And then let's talk briefly about the topic of women preachers as we use that phraseology. 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 says, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. But a suffer not a woman to teach nor usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now, among other things, that would prove that it's wrong for a woman to preach the sermon in the church service, as we call it in our vernacular, women preachers. That's pretty clear. Yet, probably 75% of churches across the United States and Canada allow women to preach from the pulpit. Why do so many churches allow that when the Bible is so clearly against it? Well, I think they're probably not using the Bible as their authority anymore. Now, women preachers. Is that a commandment of men or a commandment of God? It's a commandment of men. Those that practice such, are, their worship is in vain. Useless or worthless, they can't be saved that way. Now let's go back to 2 John verse 9 on both those issues. Sp people who practice sprinkling for baptism, are they, are they abiding in the teaching of Christ? 2 John verse 9. No, they're not. The teaching of Christ doesn't allow sprinkling for baptism. So the people that believe, teach, and practice that, since sprinkling for baptism, since it's not part of the doctrine of Christ, Second John verse 9 says they don't have God, which means they can't be saved. What about those churches and Christians that practice this idea, this practice of women preachers, allowing women to preach from the pulpit? Is that abiding in the teaching of Christ? No. So do they have God? Do they not have God, according to 2 John verse 9? They don't have God. You can't be saved that way, can you? You see how important it is that we abide in the teaching of Christ? If we don't abide in the teaching of Christ, we don't have God. We can't be saved. It not only matters if we believe in Jesus, but it matters whether or not we follow his teachings. Most people just act like that doesn't matter at all. But it does. This verse teaches for sure. It matters what we believe and what we teach and what we practice in religion. If you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. And then in 2 John, let me read verses 10 and 11. It says, If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So verse 9 is telling me that I should abide in the teaching of Christ. Verses 10 and 11 is saying, well, what do I do if somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ? Well, it's saying don't bid them Godspeed. Don't help them in their sin. Don't encourage them in their sin. Because if you do, 
you become a partaker in their evil deeds. Let me illustrate. Uh, my favorite TV show is the Andy Griffith Show. Suppose four men come into Mayberry to rob the bank. They come up in a car. One man stays in the car with the motor running. He's what we call the getaway car driver. Three men to go go into the bank with guns to rob that bank in Mayberry. They run out and the getaway car drives them away. When Andy and Barney catch those four men, how many are they going to charge with armed robbery? All four, right? And that's because the fourth one, even though he didn't go into the bank or even touch a gun, he's going to be charged with armed robbery because he's what we call an accomplice to the crime. Verses 10 and 11 here are basically saying, don't you be an accomplice to somebody else's sin. Don't you be an accomplice. 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. The lines are still wide open. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Another illustration. Through the years, when I was at work developing software, I had a friend that lived out here uh, near me. Uh, his name was Jody, and something like this happened two or three times. Suppose Jody's car was in the shop, and he said, and, and the shop called and said, Jody, your car's ready. It's been fixed. And Jody said, Pat, on the way home from work, could you give me a ride? Uh, could you drop me off at the place where my car's in the shop? That It's ready, and I can pick it up. And If I do that, would that be give Jody a ride to, to the mechanic shop? Would that be doing a good deed or a bad deed? I think we can all see that would be a good deed. On the other hand, suppose the next day somebody else says, Pat, I want you on the way home from work. Drop me off. And he's having me drop him off on the way home from work, basically at the same intersection as the day before where the mechanic shop is. But it's across the street at a shady motel. And I know for a fact he's going there to meet up with the prostitute. Then would it be a good deed or a bad deed for me, for me to take him by that, drop a person off at that same intersection? It would obviously be a bad deed, wouldn't it? Even though I'm going to do the same thing I did before, drop him off there at that intersection, and I'm going to drive straight home to my wife, so I won't be committing adultery. But I would be, by doing that, helping him commit adultery or fornication, as the case may be. Therefore, I would become a partaker in his evil deeds. Do you see how this verses 10 and 11 works? John from Iowa, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, so you're talking about worship in your body and, and different things of that nature. So some of the things that, that come to light to me is God says you will be on the earth to worship me, right? And the way to be doing that is to keep your body holy because the way to worship God in the most perfect way is to keep your body holy. It would be making sure unholiness doesn't go in and out. Correct? You know, that's very important. God says, be ye holy even as I also am holy. So it is important. We need to be in a right relationship with God, living according to his words to worship God acceptably. That's true, John. Appreciate that point. Yeah, and so you're talking about helping or, or not being an accomplice. So there's other verses that, that come to mind that says, even if a man in his own heart says something might not be holy and or clean or unclean, as in eating something, but if God calls them to a different, as in prophet, teacher, uh, right, they're, they're called to a higher level. And so 
even if a man was to be said, I don't want to eat shrimp or I don't want to eat a pig because it makes me unholy. If you try to influence them to that, then you're helping them contradict what the Spirit has told them, correct? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that you're helping them contradict what the Spirit has told them because the Spirit, the way the Spirit speaks is through God's Word and He speaks the same way. But your point is valid. Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8 teach that we shouldn't cause somebody to stumble. If they haven't, if they're over-scrupulous and believe something is wrong, like the eating of pork when it's really not wrong, then we should not do anything that would embolden them, in the words of 1 Corinthians 8, to eat that pork, therefore violating their conscience, because it's a sin to violate your conscience. Now, on worship, Jesus said in John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So it takes the right attitude in spirit and it takes doing the right things. We learn that from Leviticus 10, 1 and 2, that not only must we worship God, we must worship Him the way He specified. It must be in truth, John 4, 24. Jesus said in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. So we need to worship God according to how He specified in the New Testament law. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. Back to 2 John verses 10 and 11. Let me give you one more illustration. Suppose you got this great job in Huntsville and there's a and there's a gay church meeting on Spartman Drive here in Huntsville. And and you and you buy your house on Spartman Drive. You're thinking about where you're going to go to church and you're not gay. You're not even tempted by that uh that grievous sin. Not even tempted, but you're thinking about where you're going to go to church regular. Not not just visit, but become a member there. Contribute of your means there. I mean, you've got this great new job, and you're thinking about becoming a member there. And what do you think God would want you to do? Do you think He'd want you to be a member there at that church because it's only two minutes away, or do you think He might want you to drive a little bit further to find a church that's faithfully following His Word? Well, I think we know that He'd want you to drive a little bit further, and it's because of passages like Second John verses ten through eleven that we can become an accomplice in other people's sins. So even though I'm straight, I'm not committing that sin, if I become a member at that church and try to help them in what they're doing, then I'm in effect telling them that their lifestyle is okay and I become a partaker in their evil deeds. So I think we can see from Second John verses 9-11 through 11 that not only does it matter what I do in religion, what I practice, what I believe, what I teach, how I live, but it also matters where I go to church because if I if I become a member at a church that's not following the truth, then then I can become a partaker in their evil deeds. Let me see if I can take this call. June from Idaho. Go with, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hi, um, I'm just concerned about a verse in Scripture um, in John. Book of John, chapter 17, and verse 3. I'd like you to, I'm just going to hang up and let you comment extensively on that one scripture, if you would, please. I will, but what about John 17, 3 do you want me to comment on? Well, what you think, well, just read it and then comment, would you please? Okay. John 17, 3, Jesus is saying this is I'm like I'm going to hang up now. Okay. Thank you for your call, June. 
Jesus says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So if we want to have eternal life, we're going to have to know God and Jesus Christ. And, and he says, the only true God. There's no other God except for the God we read about in the Bible. No other God. That's the only true God. And to, to get eternal life, we're going to have to know that God and Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. So we have to believe in God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. And we're going to have to believe in Jesus Christ to receive life eternal. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I'm not sure I can comment upon that anymore other than the fact that it's saying that we're not going to be saved unless we believe in God and Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we know from other passages that though Jesus Christ is not God the Father, He's also divine. In John 20, verse 28, the Bible says, And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And so, the, the Bible calls Jesus God. Now, he's not God the Father, but he is divine. He is God. He's part of the Godhead. We see that also in Acts 20, verse 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. So here we're talking about the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. That's not talking about God the Father. He never had a physical body, never had any blood. This is talking about Jesus Christ, and it calls him God. And then one other passage, John chapter 1, verse 1, makes this pretty clear. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is just another name for Jesus Christ. Verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. It's talking about Jesus Christ. And John 1, 1 said, The Word was with God, meaning Jesus Christ was with God the Father, and the Word, Jesus Christ, was God. He's also divine. And that makes sense, since He is the Son of God. The Son of a man is a man, and the Son of God, the literal Son of God, would be God also, divine. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. So we notice from 2 John, verses 10 through 11, that it matters where we go to church. Because if we go to a church that's not following the Bible, then we're bidding them God, and we bid them Godspeed. We become a partaker in their evil deeds. You know, if it didn't matter where we went to church, we could worship with the church of Satan and still be pleasing to God. And then Revelation chapter 22, verses 18 and 19 says, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Now this is probably talking about this book, talking about the book of Revelation, but other passages, like um, I think it's Deuteronomy 10 verse 4, teach us that this principle applies to the Bible as a whole, that if we add to the word of God, meaning we teach things that aren't in there, that aren't authorized, or if we take away from the Word of God, meaning we ignore things that are in there, then this says God's going to take our part out of the book of life. We're not going to be saved. If you're in the book of life and your part and your name is taken out of the book of life, that means that you were saved at one point, and then you're, because you wouldn't be in the book of life unless you were saved. 
and then your name's taken, your part's been taken out of the book of life, you're not saved anymore. So it's very serious. Do not add to, do not take away from the Word of God. Teach it just like it is. Don't t- don't add things that are in there. Don't take away things that are. And so, back to John 8, verse 31 and 32. And before I get there, while you're turning there to John 8, let me mention about my free one-hour phone Bible study. If you're interested in having a free one-hour phone Bible study with me, anytime at your convenience, basically, I want you to give me a call or text me at my cell number, 256-682-9753. Call or text me, Pat Donahue, at 256-682-9753 if you'd like a one-hour phone Bible study. Be glad to do it with you. But Jesus said in John eight thirty-one and 32, If you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, the truth will make you free. So to be a true disciple, we have to continue in Jesus' word. And if we do, we'll be made free from our sin by the truth, which means false religious teaching won't make us free from sin.